0: You are back on your favorite radio station, Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM, with your host, Muhammad Sheikh. In our book reading segment this week, we learn more about Sheikh Ahmad Didat, rahimahullah, from the biography, Ahmad Didat, The Man and His Mission, a biography written by Professor Gulam Zahid. The reading is by Rashida Davids. Stay tuned.
1: Chapter 2, The Indelible Thumbprint In the Quran, there's an ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that the believer should ask for no exemption from turmoil the Prophets went through it if you want to do Allah's work there is no exemption and he says he will give glad tidings to those who patiently persevere and who say when they are afflicted with calamity verily we belong to Allah and to him we return so this is his and he gives it and he takes it I am reconciled with that Ahmad Didat. On Friday the 3rd of May 1996, two days after his return from a controversial tour of Australia, we had been threatened with deportation and after a very tense five-hour trustees meeting, 78-year-old Ahmad Didat left the headquarters of the Islamic Propagation Centre International at the corner of Queen and Grey Streets in central Durban. It was just after five o'clock. Didat made his way to the Nichols Square garage a few blocks away. He was by now a near-mythical figure in the city, and many took note of his journey to the car park. According to eyewitness accounts, the one-time amateur boxer and weightlifter stumbled and was visibly struggling to walk as he reached Commercial Road. Didat, however, displayed his trademark fortitude by proceeding to drive 30 kilometres through peak-hour traffic to his home in Verulam on kwazulu natal's north coast on reaching his driveway he finally succumbed to the pain and called his wife Hava on the car phone she helped him into the lounge settled him in his favorite lounge chair and called the family doctor dr raj Mohammed. the doctor realized that didat was in the throes of a stroke and had him speedily transferred to wentworth hospital in south durban the prognosis was not good locked-in syndrome had set in as a result of the stroke. This meant that although Dedat could be aware and awake, almost all the voluntary muscles in his body, apart from those in his eyes, were completely paralyzed. He could not move or communicate verbally. Abdul Karim, a member of the Bin Laden family in Saudi Arabia, who had contributed liberally to the IPCI coffers, flew to Durban in his private jet, to spend an hour with Didat. He promised that no expense would be spared to provide the best available medical care. Didat was flown in a G3 Saudi Medivac army jet with a team of six doctors and nurses to the King Faisal Specialist Hospital and a Research Centre in Riyadh. He was accompanied by his younger son Yusuf and his wife Hava. Didat was met at the airport by Saudi officials and the head of South Africa's mission in Riyadh, Qarth Yusuf Didat later told reporters that the Arabs regarded it as the mother of all honours to care for my father, who in their eyes is a soldier of Islam. By the end of July, Didat was able to speak via a communications board operated through a special computer imported from the USA. As he could not sign checks, local banks accepted his thumbprint. Didat was visited by diplomats, lawyers, scholars, teachers and students. Nelson Mandela, South African president at the time, was one of the many leaders to send greetings. His message was conveyed on the 11th of October 1996 by the Ambassador of South Africa, Samuel Motsuyani, who told the RIA daily. Mr Mandela is concerned about any South African living in any part of the world, but the case of Didat is special as he is highly respected not only in South Africa but in the world for his dedication and hard work in the preaching of Islam during the past 50 years. I was also excited by the warm welcome extended to me by Sheikh Didat. Didat presented the ambassador with a thumbprint copy of The Choice, an anthology of his key works. Mandela and Didat had spoken on the telephone once before. In October 1994, Didat received a call from Saudi Arabia at his Verulam home. When told that it was Nelson Mandela, the new South African president, Didat recalled, At first I thought it was a crank call and did not take the matter seriously. However, when I realized that it was indeed the state president, I nearly fell off my seat. Mandela, who was on an official visit to Saudi Arabia, told Didat that wherever he went, people asked whether he knew Mr. Didat. He suggested that they meet on the 6th of November 1994 during Mandela's visit to Durban. The meeting did not materialise because Didat had to travel abroad, but he told reporters that he was greatly honoured and humbled at receiving the almost unbelievable telephone call from the President. It was the greatest thrill of my lifetime and I still cannot believe my good fortune. South African diplomat Ashraf Suleiman, upon assuming his post as Consul General at the South African Embassy in Riyadh, regularly visited Didat in hospital. One thing that impressed him greatly was the dedication of his wife, Hava. She was with him throughout his stay. She, to my mind, became the ideal nurse and fulfilled that role remarkably. Kasim Pierre, who was the Consul General of South Africa in Jeddah, described his visit to Didat as a very sad and moving experience because Sheikh Didat cried a lot when we were introduced to him. Pierre added, Sheikh opened many doors for me in Saudi Arabia. Wherever I went, whether it was a political, commercial or social meeting, people would always ask about him and were pleased to cooperate with me and support me simply because I was a compatriot of Sheikh Didat. Jech probably did more for tourism promotion to South Africa than I could have done with all my tourism workshops and conferences. Didat returned home after spending approximately nine months in Saudi Arabian hospitals. Many of his followers found it hard to reconcile the image of a bedridden Didat at his modest virulent home with a colossus who was a familiar figure across the Muslim world. His spirit remained buoyant, however and is perhaps best summed up by the Qur'anic verse that he asked to have fixed to his bedside mirror and which remained there until his death. And remember Ayub, when he cried to his rob, Truly distress has seized me, but you are the most merciful of those who are merciful. Surah Anbiya, verse 83 Didat remained in command of his mental faculties and he held conversations by blinking his eyelids at an alphabet board to form words. His memory was excellent to the end.
0: That reading was from the biography Ahmed Didat The Man and His Mission by Professor Ghulam Vahid. Thank you for joining me, Muhammad Sheikh, on Born to Serve on your favorite radio station, Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. We hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed Born to Serve. And we hope, inshallah, to podcast the session on our website. Any comments may be directed to zulfanb at vocfm.co.za. Until the next time, from myself, Muhammad Sheikh, keep well, keep steadfast on deen, and keep us all in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Born
1: to serve.
0: My eyes see justice my hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. Of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Oh. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Oh. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,
1: Alhamdulillah.